being a zealous or as he defines himself, and this is a stumbling block for some of us perhaps, a jealous God is a basis for our worship. Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 to 5. You should be somewhat possible, possibly familiar with Exodus chapter 20 because in it we find the Ten Commandments. And what we find here, a little bit about the nature of God, uh, is in the first four commandments. You notice the Ten Commandments are ten, right? And they're divided four and six. The first four are all about worship. So the very fact that God gives us the first four commandments related to how we relate to Him in worship tells us that it's a priority, right? Because He puts it first. And then the next six are all about how we relate to each other, which is why Jesus, when asked... How do you sum up the law? Love God, love your neighbor. Because that's how they're broken down. Love God, and then love your neighbor. So how do we love God? Well, he tells us here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 to 5, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Right? So, one, first, foremost, the end all, the be all. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Or any likeness of anything that is heaven above and on the earth beneath. Or that is in the water under the earth. There's no images. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. And here's the purpose. Comma. He gives us the purpose clause. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Not the green-eyed monster jealousy that we define it as. But jealous as in absolutely zealous for Because there's nothing that you owe your allegiance to more than me. So therefore, he is jealous for his worship. So we learn that in his identity, he's creator in his nature. He's jealous for his worship. Therefore, worship is a priority. In his very nature, we learn throughout the Bible, he's holy. God is love. God is the definition of what is good. And therefore, as a result of his character, he deserves our worship. Moving quickly on and completely related to number one is number two. So therefore resulting from the nature of God. Because we find this very vitally here also in the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20 verse 2 to 5. So resulting from the nature of God. The priority of worship is, is a fundamental assumption of the Ten Commandments. It is, it is the fundamental assumption of these Ten Commandments God gives His people. Once again, notice... Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 to 5. The very fact that, as I said, God begins with what it is to worship Him, that then defines how we love other people, and that He is a jealous God, the fundamental assumption of the Ten Commandments is that worship must be a priority. Vital. First four commandments about the worship of God. The remaining six about the life of worship as a living sacrifice. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not. But to love other people the way we love ourselves is an act of being a living sacrifice, right? Because what happens to us in the curse is we turn inward. We become self-centered, not God-centered, and then not other-centered. We are all about us. And so when God fundamentally begins by saying it's about me and then how you work that out is caring about others first. That that begins to grind on my nature as a sinner, right? Because I'm about me. I'm about myself. I'm about I. 
And so when we see that the nature of God is a jealous God who seeks his praise, we begin to recognize that it is vital that worship as a living sacrifice fundamentally comes first for me. And then that dictates how I approach and care for other image bearers. And then on top of that, created order itself. So therefore, worship is a priority because it's the fundamental assumption of God in the Ten Commandments. Notice the priority of worship is built in to the creation of man. If you would get your Bibles and go over to Genesis Chapter 4. The priority of worship is built into the creation of man. Just, just walk with me here in Genesis 4 verse 1 to 7. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. He brought an offering. Notice verse 4, And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So notice the distinction right off the bat. One brought some, one brought the best. Does it matter? I think so. Let's read on. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. We have a tendency to come and think, if I bring you some of my leftovers, God, you're now obligated to bless me this week. Because I showed up. And I want you to note something here. Let's just read on. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Not a little bit of regard or less regard than he had for Abel's, but no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? (laughs) If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So then Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, what did he do? Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. The very first murder in the Bible takes place over the issue of worship. So let me ask you a question. You think it's priority? Yeah, it's priority. I would argue that in in, in our image bearingness, we know this. Cain and Abel do it so much so that Cain, recognizing when he didn't bring his best and God had no regard For his offering, he responded in anger toward his brother and killed him over the issue of worship. So we see that even in the creation of man, the very first murder on earth happened over acceptable worship versus unacceptable worship. And this is important because we can even turn the worship of God into an idol by making it about us and not about God. We're going to hit that in in the so what section. What do we do with this? It's easy to make worship about us when we choose our worship based on our preferences, our consumption, and our ease as opposed to being a living sacrifice. Worship 
is not a consumer product. It is a life of living sacrifice. I'll give you some passages here. Isaiah 43, 7. Now again, Isaiah 43, I recognize we're, we're isolating some passages. That's kind of what you do in a systematic theology. We're not expositionally studying through the book of Isaiah, nor Isaiah chapter 43. But in Isaiah chapter 43, God is speaking to the fact that He's going to call His people back. He is going to call them from the nations, looking forward to the work of Christ and the Great Commission, that He is going to speak to those He's elected before the foundation of the world from all nations, and He's going to speak to them, and the gospel's going to reach their ears, and He's going to draw them to Himself. He's going to save people through the preached gospel from all nations. Which is why we engage the nations. Because Jesus, A, said to, it's obedience to the command. Secondly, it's guaranteed when. Okay? When you've been told to by God, and it's a guaranteed when, you act. Right? So in Isaiah 43, 7, God says, Everyone who is, speaking of those he's going to call back, Everyone who is called by my name, Whom I created for my glory. Whom I formed and made. So, simple question. If you want to know what you were made for today. If you came in searching for what was I made for. What's my created purpose. Here it is. For the glory of God. You were made it and we defined that last week. To put on display in your words and in your deeds. The weightiness. The firstness. The, the supreme authority of God in everything I say and do. That all that I am and all that I do and all that I say given over to God for His purposes. That's what you were made for. Just put that on display. That is your created purpose. So that everything else is secondary to that. Which is why if you don't end up having a job that just fits the niche of your great desire... You still can achieve your creative purpose because in that job as a living sacrifice, you give praise and honor, honor and glory to the God who gave it to you in the first place and you honor Him by being the best at it you can possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a Joel Osteen or Stephen Furtick lie. But it's true. We don't witchcraft the kingdom. You worship God by obeying Him and loving Him and wherever He has you, whatever station and stage of life that we are. You're made for that. Made for that. And will not have wasted your life if you give Him glory in the midst of it. It's another example. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 20 and 21. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself. That they might declare my praise. It doesn't get more explicit. I don't even need to explain that. It's the same chapter. Same thing. Those who've come to Christ. Those who are His people. Whom He's called. Right? He formed them for Himself. You were made for God. You were not made to discover all that you can be. You were made for God. Psalm 139, all your days were written before there was yet one of them by the God who placed you in your mother's womb, who created you and who made you and made you for His glory and for Himself. 
And why? That, that's the purpose clause, that they might declare my praise. So that as a living sacrifice, I might put on display the praise of God. It's built in the creation of man. The the priority of worship is demonstrated in the history of Israel. Right? You see this, I don't have time to like read Genesis to Malachi for you, but see Genesis to Malachi. Okay? And by the way, I just want to say this. I've been chatting with some some folks this week and asking some questions. and, And one of the first questions I ask people, have you read your Bible through? I'm, listen, listen, I want to, I want to love you, okay? I want to love you, I want to be gentle how I say this, so I'm going to change my tone, okay? If you haven't read your Bible cover to cover, and you have questions, right? Start by reading your Bible. It truly is the manual. It has the answers, if not explicitly in principle, so that you take the principle and you apply it, and I'm sorry to use a big word, but extrapolate it, work it out, you'll begin to find the solutions and the answers to the question as you work out the truth of the text. Does that make sense? Dear Christian, read your Bible. Read it through. We're unashamed people of the book. We believe in the inerrancy of the text. We believe in the inerrancy of the Word of God. It's infallible. It's true. John seventeen seventeen. now, not adjective. It doesn't contain truth. It is truth. And so start by reading it cover to cover. Do it every year. We put Bible reading plans on the website for you. Download one. Pick your favorite. I don't care. Email me if you can't find one. And I'll send you a PDF of the one I've been using for 25 years. But read your Bible. Right? And as you do that, you will begin to discover this great problem that Israel had. And that is their downfall stemmed from their worship. Because what did they do? They began to worship Idols. They don't have time to unpack idolatry here. We have a tendency to think all idolatry. Oh, we don't have any idols because I don't have a statue on my little, on my mantle. I don't I'm, listen. Idolatry defies statues on your idols. Idolatry is always good things. We turn into God things and they become bad things. Baal, in concept, was necessary. Because back then they couldn't go to the Kroger and pick up some food. It grew out the ground. And if you grow anything out the ground, you need rain. And if it don't rain, what you going to do? Don't eat. Right? So how do you make sure you get food to grow out the ground and your cattle to have water? Well, you trust the Lord or maybe Baal. So just in case. We love you, Lord. But just in case, we have a little Baal over here on the side. That was their problem. Is they had a divided loyalty. The Lord or Baal or both. Let's go both. Just in case. Let's cover our bases. That was their problem. And I would argue it's the same for us. We're far too sophisticated to put a a figurine on the mantle. Our Baals are in our mind and our heart. Ezekiel 14. Taking it into your heart. It's the object of your affection. It's what comes first in your decision making. Often it's our children. Sometimes it's sports. The sports of our children. (laughs) They're travel teams who miss being with the people of God for the sake of the potential of getting a scholarship, which you won't. I'm sorry. I've been in education a long time. My wife's in education. Very few people actually get scholarships. I don't have time to go in that. It's time. Even the University of Georgia, National Championship, go dogs. I know we lost. But you know not all those boys are on free rides. That's not true. 
They're not. They have a financial agreement. Pay attention. And some of that is they're paying out of pocket for everything except maybe books. Chubb got one. But not everybody's Chubb. So here, my point is, idols are things that we put first. And it might not be a figurine. Maybe a concept. And so you see this in the priority of Israel. They had idols. And what did it do? It led to their downfall. So do you think worship's important? You look confused. Is worship important? It's a priority. I would argue that worship as a priority is asserted in the biblical revelation of heaven. And we're going to hit this in a few weeks. We're going to do an exposition of Isaiah 6. So I'm not going to do that now. But Isaiah 6, we see... In bodily form, God Himself sitting on a throne. Who do you think that is? Jesus, the pre-eternal, the pre-the eternal, the pre-incarnate Jesus sitting on His throne, receiving praise from the hosts of heaven. So, what are the hosts of heaven doing? They're worshiping. Revelation four eight to eleven, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is who, and is to come." And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. He goes back to the beginning. The nature of God is creator. Why? You're creator. Sustainer, giver of life. So therefore we bow down. And what do they do? And by your will they existed and were created. And we see this awesome scene with elders. I don't know who those are. And I don't know what these creatures are, but what are they doing? They're singing and throwing their crowns before Him. Priority. So in heaven, in the heavenly places, what's currently going on? The priority of worship. We're listening right now, and I trust that Holy Spirit's working in that, and there's worship taking place. But it's not like we're initiating it. Because right now around the throne of the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. Those elders. And those creatures with eyes all over them. That's weird I know. But that's what it says. They're bowing down and saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So guess what? When you sing in just a few minutes. You're not starting anything. You're just joining in the chorus. It's been going since God created them. So you're engaging in worship. It's not going to affect God today. He's already being worshipped. You just join in and receive the encouragement. Right? So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Number one, worship's all about God, so keep it all about God. Have no agenda when it comes to being a living sacrifice. In other words, don't lay your life out as a blank check. If God will just do it this way. Because here's what I do. I write, if you read my journal, you would laugh. But every day, I ask, Lord, I need you to do this, but be gentle. I'm not kidding, I write that down. Would you do that kindly? Do that easy? Because I'm, just show me and I'll act. Don't do it with that or this or whatever you do, don't do it with that. Just be gentle. Right? That's not a blank check. That's not, Lord, here's my life. It's yours. Do with it whatever you please. Right? I need you to make sure I come home from that hard place. Right? I don't, I want to come home. I, don't, don't let me get the big C. I'll worship you as long as that don't happen. Right? Blank check. Lord, no agendas. Just you. What do you want? 
So bring no agendas to God. Be a giver, not a getter. If worship's all about God, be a giver, not a getter. Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many, right? So Jesus even set the example. Jesus did not come to get, he came to give. Ephesians 5, 1, be imitators of God. So therefore, life as a living sacrifice is about giving away, not getting. Which is, I'm convinced, one of the reasons the growth, the growth of the mega church movement in the West has nothing to do with the Spirit of God saving people and growing a movement. Consumers are just leaving the small and going to the large because they get a better product, in their opinion. That's statistically factual, by the way. It's not actual people coming into the kingdom. It's transfer from smaller places because you got better kids stuff, better youth stuff. The preacher's probably more educated there. And the worship's better, so I want a better product, so I'm going to leave there and go here. That's statistically proven in the West. Because we've made worship about a product we get. We're not givers, we're getters. Which is one of the reasons we have tried hard in our almost 15 years to never be a place that just attracts based on a product. We want the transforming power of the gospel to bring people into the kingdom and to draw people into giving their lives away. Here's a little principle for you from Proverbs 11:24. Be generous, right? Not stingy. If you're going to keep it all about God, be generous, not stingy. Proverbs eleven twenty four. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. That's, that's in your Bible. Proverbs eleven twenty four. That's a fact, Jack. You ever notice that people are just givers? They give, give, give. It just seems like they have no lack. And then some of us stingy people won't write a check or won't give. And we're always in the, I ain't got nothing, I ain't got nothing, I ain't got nothing. Now, do not hear prosperity gospel. That's a lie. But do hear God's a provider and He rewards generosity because He's a giver. So when His people are givers, God's a giver to His people. He will always supply you. Jesus even said that in Matthew 6. The whole seek first the kingdom, everything before that is come after me, not the clothes. Come after me, not the drink. Come after me, not the food. You come after me and seek me first, I'll make sure you got clothes, water, and food. I'll take care of that. He didn't promise to make you rich. He promised to supply you, right? So be generous, not stingy. Check this out. When everybody's giving and serving and caring for one another... I want you to notice something really cool here. You end up getting. <laughs> How is that possible? Because somebody else is giving. Right? So if you're just a giver, 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 you're not being stingy, you're being generous, what ends up happening is you end up getting as you're giving. But if everybody comes to get, no one ends up giving except certain performers and everyone else is spiritually fat while the performers are burning out. So be a giver. Be generous. No personal agenda. Be a living sacrifice. What do we do about this? Second thing is we worship an obligation as a priority. But there's a qualifier. Worship is to be a joyous obligation that takes a priority. I don't want to leave this out that worship is an obligation. It's due God and it's due God from His people. But I want you to understand the biblical slant on that is it's a joyous obligation. Right? The best illustration I have for that is when parents are sane. Right? You're raising kids. You spend about 18, 25 years of just, you're crazy. 
Okay? Because you don't sleep. They drive you crazy. It's hard. And you're just not sane. Right? That's why you see that 45-year-old dad. He's almost done. He quit caring about how he looks. And he's got socks on with his flip-flops because he don't care anymore. He's just crazy. Lost his mind. He's just happy to be alive. Right? Hoping. Hoping to get some Chick-fil-A soon. Right? He was hoping he makes it to bedtime. <laughs> but you notice dads and moms, as hard as the responsibility is, there's a joyous thing to it to watch your babies grow into women and men. So there's an obligation to it, but there's a joy to it as well. And it's a priority. I think God built that into parenting to remind us that's what worship is like sometimes. Because being a living sacrifice isn't always the easiest thing. But it is a great joy. And it is a responsibility. And it is a priority. Here's, here, here's the passage. You say, okay, stop giving me an example. Here you go. Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's a promise in the text that, you, Lord, you make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, there's joy in life. And so the reality is, this is why it's a joyous obligation, is it is hard sometimes. But in that hardness, he gives life. He sustains. As creator who made everything from nothing, you think he can't give you life and strength to keep giving when you're tired of giving? And you find then your faith is built because He sustains you and He lifted you up and you see that this, this, this he's, he's legit real. Right? Finally, worship has to be reflected and the priority of it has to be reflected in our true Making the love of God and love of people our priority. And you're like, okay, you've said that already. But rubber's got to meet the road here. The reality is you're going to spend the first half of your life trying to get all you can get. And you're going to hit a point at which you quit caring about getting more and you want it to count. And what you're going to realize is you spread yourself too thin. What you realize is the things that mattered you gave up on because you were trying to get as far as you could get. And you realize at some point that those things were irrelevant and the things that mattered you let drop. And then by that point it's too late to go back and pick it up because you broke it. And so what I want people to start understanding is that start your 20s with priorities that matter. Don't get to 45 and look back and go, that was important. I want you to hear today, there's maybe three things, four things you ought to give your time to. Beyond that, they should fall far down the list. Number one, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. As a living sacrifice, He's number one. Follow Him at all costs. Obey Him. Be in the Word. Walk with the Holy Spirit. Listen to Him. Obey Him. Do that first. If you're married, your spouse, number two, priority. If you got kids, three. 
Fourth, your local church covenanted to them and nobody else. Priority. Beyond that, let the backside ride. Because here's what will happen. The Christian subculture will chew up your time and waste it with things that don't matter. And you will get to the end of it and realize you've wasted half of your life on things you have no tangible evidence it ever happened. Just some vague memory. And what I want you to hear, the priority of your life is you were made for God's glory. You were made to make much of Him. So with everything in you, seek First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And He really will take care of everything else. I tell you, I promise you, Jesus didn't want us living stressed out. Right? I've come to this point in my life, I'm dropping stuff like bad habits, man. I mean, I don't have, I have bad habits, but they're not. Don't get the wrong idea. My point is, let's use a different analogy. I'm dropping stuff like hot potatoes. Like, why? Because there's only three or four things that really matter. And I'm done with things that aren't in my skill set. I'm done with things that I'm wasting my time over. I don't have time for that. I've got, I've got about a quarter of life left. And I want to make sure when I get to the end, I'm one of those hundredfold people. Because at the end of the day, Jesus said, you're laying up treasure in heaven, not here. So don't be like people who are laying it up here where moth and rust destroyed, thieves break in. And so we read that stuff and go, oh, that sounds really good. I'm not going to do that. But we're not courageous enough to actually tell Jesus we're not going to do that. We just go do it and then pretend like we think it's important. He said, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. In the kingdom. So that when you stand before me, you get to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in and enjoy your master. Guys, that's where we're living for. That's the priority of worship. And if you're living life like that, we come in here and we'll sing songs. And I'm convinced we'll see the move of God. Like we do in the global south, in the global east. Where they have nothing and the spirit of God just does miraculous stuff. And we wonder, where's the Lord? Well, you've got him next to the three or four idols up on the mantle in front of him. Mitchell Jolly. Right? And so, Three Rivers Church, I invite you to the priority of worship. So, and I want you to hear, the songs we're about to sing are down the list. They're down the list. So let me just invite you. Okay, I want I want to invite you to sing, okay? Because we're commanded to sing. The Bible commands us to sing. Jesus set the example, right? The last thing he did before he was arrested was he observed the liturgy of the Passover and then they sung a hymn and he went out and got arrested. So they had a service and Jesus sang. So should we. Simple as that. Don't need more explanation. So we're going to do that. But I want you to know this morning that the first thing you need to do is deal with the Lord. And, and, and if there are things that the Holy Spirit has brought to the surface of your attention that you need to deal with that you're not a living sacrifice over, deal with them. You and Him do business. You just deal with Him. And if you need a pastor to pray with you or your radical life group leader, there'll be some of us standing in the back. You can come pray and we'll minister and serve with, serve you how we need to serve you. Maybe you need to repent of sin. Maybe there's just sin. And you just like, you got sin. And the Holy Spirit's telling you what it is. You know what to do. Obey Him. All right? and maybe you just need to sing with all your might. Then do that too. Right, But make this about the Lord, not you. Right, So let's pray that he does that. Father, we ask that you would do great things this morning. And that our priority truly would be worship. Um, we ask you to move um, uh, in power on your people uh, during our time. Um, for, yeah. 
for your glory. Not, not because we need tangible evidence of anything, but we, we, we want to make much of you. And Lord, we know you have to be the one to pull that off somehow. Because the reality is probably I didn't come in here seeking after you this morning. I came in here to do a job sometimes. And so I just need you. I need, we need you to move in power and move us to worship, to praise. So I pray you would do that. Um, I just feel compelled to ask this of you and so I'm going to ask it Lord I pray that you would break a heart of pride in, in, in your people um, a multitude of ways that can manifest itself just ask you to do that break it, destroy it so that you can be made much of by us your people if there's anything that stands in the way of that I ask you to deal with it deal with it Lord we pray